You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. I can't do it anymore. It hurts. It hurts too badly. You've hurt me for the last time. No more. No more. Have you said these words before? The pain of unforgiveness? Have you struggled with forgiveness? Because the pain and wound was too deep. If you have, you're not alone. Let's talk about the bumpy road toward forgiveness on the Coach's Corner. Welcome to the Coach's Corner on the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where you can find through good coaching a friendly corner to rest, think, and engage the world better around you. We want to see you get that knockout of success fairly. I'm your host, Denley McIntosh, CEO of Renew IQ Consulting. And today's podcast, I like to focus on the bumpy road toward forgiveness. The bumpy road toward forgiveness. Key steps for giving forgiveness. And, you know, I was thinking about this message, and I know in a prior podcast, I talked about the courage to fix. And I spoke about reconciliation and building courage to do so. I'm actually going to work backwards and go deeper and explore this painful inner journey toward forgiveness. In some ways, the practice of forgiveness may be easier when you're younger, like a, I wouldn't say so much as a toddler, but definitely when you're in elementary school. And it becomes the ability to forgive. I sense, I observe, and even my own life, I would say, it becomes harder, harder as you age. And I'll say it for myself. You can prove what I'm saying. Think about the times you struggled to forgive. Were these times in your adulthood or childhood? Most likely. Maybe sounds like more likely in the adulthood, right? Now, the trauma may have come from your childhood, and we'll talk about that a bit, but I'm referring to the struggle leading to that crucial decision to forgive. And that is likely to more occur when you have become an adult. And I will say nothing is more adulting or more showing our maturation with our ability to forgive. Nothing is more adulting or more mature from us and the people we engage with than our ability to forgive. It's one of the reasons we find in this world that we live in that fights are sustained, fights are prolonged, protracted among people because at the root, most likely, the inability, the inability to forgive. Many wars, if not most, most wars, whether bilateral or unilateral, at the root of it is some level of unforgiven anger or bitterness. And it may manifest in some with excuse or justification or rationalization. But deep within, you know, deep within, it's an issue of a slight or wrong, which never got resolved. Now, you're listening to this, you're probably... Feeling a little uncomfortable, if not maybe getting a little angry at me. I hope I can get your forgiveness here. I recognize some will say the action is about avenging Denley. It's about bringing justice. And that may well be right on a political plane, but on an emotional, psychological, but on an emotional, psychological plane, that doesn't work too well. In a political plane, it may make sense to do these sort of things and, and get tip for tat, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But on an emotional plane, that doesn't work too well if you're engaging people based on 
unforgiveness, and deep-seated anger. I recall reading the autobiography of Nelson Mandela, one of my heroes and mentors and champions of forgiveness, even when it hurts, extremely hurts. And in his memoir, A Long Road to Freedom, he wrote, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred beyond, I'd still be in prison. Let me just repeat that again. As I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. That's heavy. This is a profound statement which should not be lost on us. So let me back up a little more to explain what Mandela experienced and ask if these words were reasonable. Mandela echoed these words as he left 27-year prison sentence, being wrongly detained and many times forced into solitary confinement days on days. This all the while being abused in the various prisons up to Robben Island and hearing all of the same travesties and just atrocities through writings and other people communicating to prison to his fellow Black South Africans, who maybe were free legally, but in every other way they suffered under the oppressive apartheid regime of the National Party for 56 long years. The main reason for his release wasn't so much compassion of the forceful, but the collection of fear of those who were in power. There was fear of a racial civil war brewing, which only Mandela could quell. Prime Minister F.W. de Klerk released him as an olive branch and peacemaking attempts. He wanted Mandela to be a peacemaking ambassador between the indigenous Black South Africans and the Afrikaans. The power of the quote I share as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred beyond, I'd still be in prison, show the mindset that was critical for Mandela to pursue peace. Mandela could not pursue peace if he didn't pursue forgiveness first. You get that? Mandela could not pursue peace if he didn't pursue forgiveness first. It was Mandela negotiating with the dissenting voice within and waging war inwardly, so to speak, with his anger by arming his soul with love within. He could bring that love to the outside for a better South Africa. See, Mandela's goal was not about inflicting pain for pain because pain we inflict back on someone will not, or I should say, will never be perceived as fair to the initial inflictors. The pain that we inflict in return or back on someone will never be perceived as fair to the initial inflictors. They will always retaliate as believing what you did in retaliation is unfair. And hence, the cycle of violence continues, which Mandela recognized, which he was trying to squash and quell with his practice of forgiveness. It's the same cycle. Let's kind of maybe bring it to North America here, moving from South Africa to North America and specifically the U.S. And and looking more here at this particular case, I recall the cycle of violence, like the Congans. The congregants of Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church when an attacker, Dylan Roof, walked in into that church, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in South Carolina, and opened fire and murdered nine people during their 
Bible or faith community study and didn't happen too long ago. And in 2019, article from the USA Today, written five years after Charleston Church Massacre in South Carolina, how Emmanuel reveals the power of forgiveness. Rasha Ali, journalist, writes, Roof, Dylan Roof, a self-admitted white supremacist, was found guilty on all 33 counts lodged against him and sentenced to death. And through this tragedy, many of the people affected by the hate crime were able to forgive Roof. Emmanuel, a documentary released last year on the fourth anniversary of the shooting, finds a beacon of life in the, in the tragedy and puts the spotlight on the power of forgiveness. The film was directed by Brian Ivey and produced by Stephen Curry, Viola Davis, and Mariska Hargitay. And quote, within this quote, I never thought I would be able to forgive somebody for murdering my mom. Chris Singleton tells USA Today about choosing to forgive Dylan Roof for gunning down his mother, Sharonda Coleman Singleton, and eight others at church. Heavy stuff. Heavy, heavy stuff. That means unconditional love and forgiveness goes hand in hand. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Getting ahead of myself. Let's let's define forgiveness. Then maybe a couple definitions will work as our working definition. Forgiveness means to let go and free someone or a group of people from your revenge and retaliation. Yes, saying in your private thoughts, I will never forgive that person is a form of revenge because you feel satisfied in your thinking. You see, the forgiveness is the ability to don't cling on to the anger as a source of power to control your anger, actions and feelings. But in many cases, we allow the anger to smother us and to hold us. As I said, forgiveness is about letting go and freeing someone not necessarily in a physical sense, but in an emotional sense, that decision to say, I will not pay in kind for what you've done because the cycle of violence will just continue. And it would just simply continue to be my own dehumanization as opposed to humanizing me and being my best self. When you're forgiving anger that exists in the situation and not to be Pretend that it's not there will not cling on to you as a prisoner ward. See, I like to contrast this concept to judging. It's critical for me to raise this contrast, this concept, because unforgiveness, the lack of forgiveness, moves us towards judgment or condemning this sort of inward condemning of others because they have wronged us. See, judgment or judging means to wish and desire for someone's pain or misfortune and/or ruin, and you're treating the person lesser than that you owe them to be treated on your personal scale of human worth, which is driven, driven by a wrathful or seething anger. You see yourself as entitled or the ultimate judge of character and, and value of someone. And the byproduct of that unforgiveness is judgment. Since you've hurt me, you now got to pay. Pay the piper, baby. That's kind of the attitude that we have when we are judging or condemning someone. You make that decision and the behaviors will follow suit. You can see how those two concepts, forgiveness and judgment, are inversely related. When you consistently do not forgive someone, you set up yourself as judge. That's serious stuff. You've said in your private thoughts that the pain that he or she caused you, that he or she caused you, is too much for me to bear. His or her offenses is too grievous, too egregious to forget. I will never forget what my mom did to me. I'll never forgive what my dad did to me. Never forgive what they've done to me. He does not deserve my forgiveness. She doesn't deserve my forgiveness. I won't talk to my sister again. I won't talk to my brother again. I will never talk to her again. 
see all these things and you like says unforgiveness and judgment i will not forget i will judge is the attitude that we will we are holding on to how many arguments fights and wars could be avoided if we understood these truths you see the consequences of lack of forgiveness i see four at this point you can add to this list but just give you four a growing anger and bitterness two revenge manifested in microaggressions or macroaggressions or three distracted mind and unfocus and four sour attitude as you continue to litigate your offenses see number one growing your anger growing anger and, and bitterness is one of the consequences of lack of forgiveness anger begets anger begets anger and i know sometimes we say time heals all wounds not with when it comes to unforgiveness it doesn't all you do is park the anger in a drawer for further use anger makes a home within it doesn't leave the bitterness doesn't leave they both grow up to be mature budding adults that overtake you overtake you and that leads you to leads me to like the revenge aspect manifested in microaggressions like slights and avoidance and sarcasm gossip sabotage or macroaggressions like shouting quarreling and abusing those are sort of things that the revenge starts to manifest itself and lashes out or uh, just say lashes out on those who we care about or even those who are just maybe our acquaintances like people at work you know people at at work they are sometimes the recipient of our of our lack of forgiveness we don't think about forgiveness in the context of forgiving our our colleagues right and a lot of times why maybe our workplace is dysfunctional or even toxic because there's so much unforgiveness between staff and managers and managers to staff and staff to staff and hence the macro aggressions the slights and avoidance the sarcasm ways that we don't help each other to get the work done is rooted not because we need more training on how to work with each other we need an admission that there's there's unforgiveness and I'm figuring out a way to to seek revenge on you in very subtle ways and of course we we bring that to home as well and uh the ways that husbands and wives or partners interact with each other it's because the the couple it's tip for tat and we even take it out on our, our our children or whoever else is in our home who seems to be in that line of sight if you're always in this posture of revenge you move towards having a distracted mind and you're unfocused you can't complete the task you you find that you're so consumed you're so irate the deliverables at work are not to the standard that you would like because your mind is divided about what this person did and how you can get them back i know we have all been there it's hard when you feel like someone has did you wrong and now you have to go produce did you wrong at home and now you have to figure out how to spend time with that that spouse or spend time with those children you can't be your best self and then you just become just miserable a sour person as number 4 as you continue to drudge up relitigate what that person did to you and how dare they offended you and that as much as you say i'm hiding that and no one knows that i'm feeling this way people know over time people who are just not people that you want to hang around it because that unforgiveness oozes out it really does so growing anger and bitterness 
revenge manifested in these microaggressions or macroaggressions, distracted mind and unfocus. And last year, just a sour person as you continue to litigate these, these issues. Now, let me be clear here. Forgiveness does not ignore accountability or justice because you may be saying that, okay, you want me to forgive? Look what they did to me. You want me to ignore that? You want me to forget that? No, no, no. I'm not saying that you to forget. I'm saying put things in perspective. Put yourself in charge, not your anger. For me, it simply not. It simply means it's not my job through my anger to demand or rustle a payback from those around me. Because remember I said, anytime you pay back somebody, they'll say that you need to pay them back because what you paid them back with is not fair. Hence, I can't always call up people for their lack of forgiveness. That includes some people in my family or close friends. But I tried with my young children. I really do because I knowing how painful and how destructive unforgiveness can be by teaching them how to forgive. I hope that they would be better prepared to be, as they reach the adulthood. I use a paraphrase from St. Paul, the apostle, to remind them and, and you know us as a family with my wife and that love does not keep score of people's faults. It doesn't. It's so easy to say, you have done me wrong a hundred times more than I have done you wrong. And now you got to pay. You can't keep score. That's so key. With the injustice we may face at home or on the streets, that you can't keep score. If we keep the count of folks' faults, we're doomed to stay in a state of anger, which is not good for any of us. And because I know these, I try to move beyond unforgiveness quickly myself. So I'm constantly checking and letting go. And you may be asking, how? You may be asking, how? So that kind of leads me to the corner tips. How do we move on this bumpy road to forgiveness? Well, there are a few R's I may want to share with you. First R, you want to remove yourself from the person who've triggered you. Remind yourself that the person meant well. You want to review, three, that the good person has done for you. Four, you want to reach out to a neutral person or party to discuss, get you support. And five, you want to remember to see the bigger picture if possible. Let's kind of go back to number one here. Remove yourself from the person who triggered your anger to gain objectivity is really critical. Some people in the moment, they cause a slight or wrong. You may not want to see them to be in your space. And so, yeah, it may be right for you to take a step away so you can better handle your anger and not be driven by it. You can get a better foothold of that anger when you move yourself from that person for a bit. And while you're in that place where you're just to yourself, number two, remind yourself that the person usually means well, especially the people in our family. It feels like in the moment that <laughs> you on their mind is the last thing they were thinking about. But really and truly, they really meant well for you and did not intend to hurt you. And so just to be able to, to see and think about that truth is important. And to continue on to strengthen that belief and that conviction, you want to three, review that good person, review the good that person has done for you over the years, if possible. I always like to say when things go down, I just think about, yeah, the, the way that that person was there for me, stood up for me, gave to me, served me, embraced me, all those things is what I cling on to when the anger is so palpable, so intense. Repeating that, recycling that does help to douse the flames of anger that you don't get consumed or <laughs> really handcuff the anger that's trying to 
stronghold you. And if you are struggling, this leads to number four, reach out to a neutral person to discuss and help you gain that perspective because that's so important to have there someone that is feeding you positivity. Not someone who's gossiping and saying, no, you need to knock that person out. How dare they? No, no, you don't want those sort of people. They're just going to egg you on and put more fuel to the fire. You want someone who's objective and sees, who's fair and says, this is how you should see things. And that's not going to always be easy because you may disagree with the person, but they're bringing a perspective that's neutral that helps you to see your way through. And number five, remember to see the bigger picture. As you're doing that, you are really gaining perspective and seeing, does this really matter at the end? Is holding on to these things, does it really matter at the end? Because at the funeral, is this the litany litany of things that you're going to talk about? You know, I think about some of the things that I shared on one of my podcasts here, how to keep the jingle in your bell and, and I believe this podcast 10. And I just thought about how challenging it was to through some of the challenges in my own family, my dad, and some of the disagreements we may had, and he's no longer here. My God bless and rest his soul. But during that funeral, like that, those things didn't matter. The bigger picture of a dad that was there present and trying his best when he didn't have all the resources was the main thing for me to hold on and our family to hold on to. And so seeing that bigger picture now then the wait till funeral is so so key to bring things in perspective those are the five hours you want to keep in mind remove remind review reach out and remember that's the corner tips thank you for listening to the coach's corner i hope you love this episode (laughs) and if you did please subscribe to my show please 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 do subscribe to my show and please connect with me on linkedin through my profile or email me at hello at renewiq.ca that's hello h-e-l-l-o at r-e-n-e WIQ.ca as well. Like I said, show me some love by following me there or reaching me out that way. Well, this has been another podcast of the Coach's Corner where I bring your head, heart, and hands together so you can go out and fight to be your best self and help others to do the same. Make it a great day in the Coach's Corner. We'll see you next time. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.